Letter forty two of the History of Lady Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devora Allen. The History of Lady Barton by Elizabeth Griffith. Letter forty two. Miss Cleveland to Lady Barton. I might with great truth and justice reply to the lemma of my dear Louisa's letter by quoting the words that follow it in the original. Footnote. Oh, rather say, I came to tell her how she might be happy, to soothe the secret anguish of her soul, to comfort that fair mourner, that forlorn one, and teach her steps to know the paths of peace. Fair penitent. End of footnote. But though I may not express myself as elegantly as Mr. Rowe, I will trust my defense to the feelings of my heart on a subject where it is so truly interested. If soothing could alleviate your sufferings, my pen should be taken from the signet's wing and dipped in the honey of Hybla. But alas, my sister, yours is a disease that will increase by indulgence, and which severity alone can cure. There have been instances where the hand of a surgeon has trembled from a consciousness of the misery he was obliged to inflict on his patient. Judge, then, how unsteadily I now hold the pen that is to wound the heart of my Louisa, by telling her that I fear she has committed an almost irreparable error. I have already told you that it is long since I, with grief, beheld your partiality for Lord Lucan, but from the idea which you taught me to form of him, and from my thorough knowledge of the delicacy and propriety of your sentiments, joined to your situation, I had lulled myself into a perfect security that Lord Lucan would never dare to insult the wife of Sir William Barton, with a declaration of his passion, and that finding it entirely hopeless, he would either conquer or transfer it to some other object, from whom he might reasonably expect a proper return. Such an attachment as Lord Lucan's may be compared to winter plants, which by the aid of hothouses are rendered capable of producing summer fruits, but must decay and die without such artificial aid. Hope is the nurse of love. Without it, I am certain it cannot long exist, even in the most romantic bosom. Can I then consider my Louisa's conduct as blameless, when I find Lord Lucan has avowed his passion? But what is the sentence which you would have pronounced twelve months ago upon a married woman who had declared that passion to be mutual? Guilty! Guilty upon honor! You have still candor enough to judge yourself as severely as you could anyone else. You acknowledge yourself a criminal, but whither are your candor and your judgment both fled, when you endeavor to derive merit from what you allow to be a crime, and say that— you confessed your passion to preserve your virtue. I begin to be extremely apprehensive that reason is a very useless property to man, and can seldom do more than direct our choice in things that are merely indifferent to us. Apathy is not natural to the human mind, and yet from the moment our passions begin to operate with any degree of vigor, that same boasted reason, which philosophers tells us supplies its place by controlling their emotions and directing their pursuits, not only becomes instantly subservient to them, but meanly condescends to enter into the defense of their most pernicious consequences, and readily engages in the pleasing but baneful office of assisting us to impose upon ourselves. This is and must be true. At least I wish to think so, for I would much rather attribute my Louisa's errors to the general defects of our nature than account for them by supposing any particular weakness, either in her reason or her virtue." and surely she must herself acknowledge a failure in that judgment that can be persuaded we may set bounds to the encroachments of a lover by telling him that he is beloved. Alas, Louisa, 
Lord Lucan is not banished from Ash Park, from Southfield, from your sight, forever. But both the world and I, without being over-rigid, have a right to expect that he should no more be permitted to plead his passion or avail himself of yours. If you should be inclined to dispute the authority which demands this sacrifice, let me remind you that there is one who has an undoubted right to claim it. Let your honor, then, make a willing sacrifice of all future connection with Lord Lucan, as the only atonement you can now make for the injury you have done Sir William Barton. By this means, and this alone, you may again recover your happiness, for I know you too well to suppose that it can ever be compatible with a consciousness of continuing to act in opposition to the strictest rectitude. I know, too, that you have strength of mind sufficient to accomplish this arduous task, and that our mental, like our bodily strength, is increased and invigorated by use. That generous frankness, which is the genuine offspring of virtue, shall again reanimate my beloved Louisa's face. The mild eye of friendship shall no longer be painful to her, and she shall endure the piercing look of inquiry from her husband's eyes with soft yet steady dignity. Oh, may my wishes be prophetic. Amen. Amen. I will now venture to tell you that I am truly grieved for the young, the innocent, and amiable Harriet. My concern may possibly remind you of Swift's lines. Should some neighbor feel a pain, just in the part where I complain, etc. I acknowledge the sympathy between us, and would do much to cure her malady. She has, however, the advantage of me in every respect. She is younger, and, of course, the impression which her heart has received is more likely to be erased. The letters we carve on saplings wear out with their growth, while those that are imprinted on the perfect tree remain indelible. Besides, it is by no means impossible that Lord Lucan may love her yet, for I repeat my opinion that his passion for you is quite a sickly plant, which must necessarily perish, as I am perfectly convinced that you don't mean to cherish it longer. For all these good and weighty reasons, I think she may hope, or at least I will do so for her, that one way or other her heart may be set at ease. I am in a praying mood, and will say amen to this wish also. I would add another petition to those I have already made if I hoped it would succeed, but I almost begin to despair of Mrs. Walter's recovery. She continues to languish without any visible sign of amendment, and the physicians now think that the air of a more southern clime is the only chance she has for life. She has written to the good Père Guillaume to recommend her to a convent that will receive her and her child as pensioners, and allow her the liberty of going out in a carriage for exercise, which is absolutely necessary to her existence. Were I only to consider myself, the pain I feel at the thought of parting with this charming woman would tempt me to wish that I had never known her. But how amply am I recompensed for that, and a thousand other sufferings, by the delightful reflection of having rendered her mind perfectly tranquil, nay happy, by indulging myself in settling a small but decent provision on her darling child. Can all the diamonds that ever issued from the Indian mines afford to their possessors that heartfelt glow of satisfaction I enjoyed, when I had perfected the deed which conveyed two thousand pounds into the hands of trustees, for the use of the young Olivia Walter? I was so apprehensive that the strong emotions of the mother's gratitude might have affected her delicate frame, that I was almost tempted to conceal this matter from her. Yet I wished to remove every fear or doubt, which the weakness and languor of her spirits might suggest, with regard to her child's future fate. I wrote her a few lines to tell her what I had done, and added that I would debar myself from the pleasure of seeing her, till she should give me a promise under her hand never to mention this business to me. 
She promised, indeed, what was impossible for her to perform, and at our next interview I was convinced that, as the Peruvian princess says, to be thoroughly generous, you must listen to acknowledgments. I have promised that if it should please Providence to call her to a state of bliss, I will immediately take the little Olivia under my care, and if I live, I will most faithfully discharge the pleasing and important trust. My spirits, not much elevated before, sink under the sad idea of Mrs. Walter's death. I cannot at present say more than that I am, with unabated tenderness, your truly affectionate sister, F. Cleveland. End of letter 42